This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Welcome, welcome to Fresh Thinking. Hope you have recovered or are recovering from Pesach. Uh, say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but that's what everybody's asked me. In fact, somebody sent me a message the other day to say, I hope you have vaguely started to recover from Pesach. What, what did you think it was? I mean, <laughs> did you think we were enslaved or something like that? Uh, my, my little one picked up a song that, uh, not even from school, from somebody at our Pesach Seder, and the song goes, We were slaves and now we are free, except she hasn't learned the second part, so she sings, We were slaves and now we are slaves. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope that's not the experience that you had on Pesach, but, Whatever your experience was, it's now back to the so-called normal world, and that's probably part of what we're going to be talking about over here today. So it's fresh thinking as usual, and you can join the conversation at any point in time. Let me just throw you those numbers quickly. WhatsApps are on 0618951019. SMS number is 34519. You can always tweet either directly at Ravashish or at Chai FM, or both, as you prefer. And today we're going to do something we have not done for a long time. I have a guest in studio. It's been quite a while since I had a guest in studio, but it's nice. Mix it up a little bit. So I'd like to welcome Shimona Tsukernik to the studio. Shimona, thank you for joining us. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. I know you're not a stranger to to the microphone, so (laughs) it's, it's, it's great. It's great to have you on board. I think just to do a little bit of where we're going with the show, and then we'll talk a little bit for those who don't know you. I mean, Many mm-hmm. people do know you. You're local originally. You're, Kringle uh, right? is my maiden name. Exactly. Originally from Joburg, so people should know. And if they don't, they should get to know who you are. Thank you. So just a little bit of uh, background because I, I know that it's very, very much in our minds in the Chabad community, but I believe that it's very much in the minds of the whole Jewish world right now, and that is the uh, horrific way that Pesach ended in San Diego. And you surely have been following the story of this shooting attack at the Chabad of Poway. And it just seems to be such a regular occurrence these days, these uh, attacks and anti-Semitism. A friend of mine who's a rabbi in Manhattan was uh, verbally attacked just the other day, and it almost came to blows. Uh, I mean, I just just as I say that, like I think for a second, how do you even say that? How do you say in the 21st century that a rabbi walking down the street in Manhattan should be accosted with anti-Semitic slurs? I mean, it's, it's just really, really something. So there's a lot of concern, I think, in our world right now. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to ask Shimona just to share a little bit of thoughts about how did we get to such a dark place and how should we be responding to it. Um, and, it, of course, as always, if you've got comment, insight, questions, you can hear a different voice on the air. So it's an opportunity to ask questions. Here's your opportunity. As I said, 34519 if you're going to SMS us. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So uh, that's a nice new jingle we've got over there. Just got to teach the guy how to pronounce my name. Anyway, <laughs> if you've just joined us, it is Fresh Thinking, and we're back on the air after the Pesach break. I have a guest in studio today, Shimona Tsukernik, who is a renowned speaker all over the world and runs some very innovative programs. Uh, part of what we're gonna, which we're going to talk about now, our topic today, we're going to talk about what's going on in our world. How do we get to such a dark place? The 21st century is supposed to be so nice mm-hmm. and comfortable and accepting and everybody should all be, you know, sitting around and singing, singing Kumbaya and I, I don't know exactly what's happening. So that's what we're going to talk about today and how we should respond to it. But Shimona, just for those who don't know you, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. 
Well, I work as a coach, and I founded an online marketing information company, which I guess is a fancy way of saying I run an online school teaching people Torah-based principles for self-mastery. Um, I, I got a degree in fine arts and went to the States and began doing workshops on that, uh, and then public speaking around the world, but... At one point, I, I began taking in clients and people had said to me, oh, you know, there's so much wisdom. We wish it could be formalized. And one of the things that I was seeing, and it'll segue into some of the things we'll speak about later, I guess, is that there was a lot of uh, new age thinking that people were drawing their wisdom from. And while there was uh, benefit and there were truths in that, there were many falsehoods uh, that I felt were leading people down the wrong path. It wasn't that people weren't trying, it's that they were using the wrong tools. Like you have to travel by the right map. <coughs> and um, so, in other words, so I tried to create a program that, that used true principles that was actionable. So, so what you're saying is that there's a lot of yearning, there's a lot of interest, and he has an opportunity to provide an address. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I may have mentioned on one of our previous calls that I was approached by someone who was getting his PhD asking if he could come and interview me. Um, I didn't want to say yes. I didn't want to say no. So I didn't respond. And then after the third time he asked me, I finally said yes. Uh, it turned out he was the founder of the first online bank and hmm. um, fascinating man. And he loved my work. After three years of research, he shifted and he did the program for a year and he wrote a PhD comparing this program to any other Jewish coaching programs. And one of the things he said is there's a lot of um, inspiration out there, but very little transformation. Hmm. And I think that Torah understands that we are multidimensional beings. I frame it as SQ, IQ, EQ, BQ, spiritual, intellectual, emotional, and behavioral intelligence. And if you look at what God's given us, his mandate for Jewish life, the map by which we travel, it addresses all of that. There's meditation, and there's learning, and there's prayer, and heart-centered connection, and then there's the behavioral stuff. So I think that that's what allows for the transformation. People want it. The catch is that it's not a quick fix. And people want a quick fix. Right, right. <laughs> Microwave Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. So that makes it quite challenging for you. So what's the uptake? Um, well, I let people know. Uh, I, I have a bunch of isms. They're available on the site. You can download them for free. And, um, you know, I tell people you're big enough to fail and you have to die in order to live. And both of those things have to be ingrained in us, which is if I can get in touch with the part of me that is unwoundable, then it's okay. The rest of the stuff, like you, one of the isms is uh, you can you can be sad, but you, you can never not be happy. You know, mm. There's a certain kind of happiness that has got nothing to do with sadness. In fact, all great art, I think, has that. Like the minor key. Uh, there's a minor key in life. I think it was the Rebbe Rashab who said, um, a person who hasn't failed deeply isn't yet a real person. Mm. So I've fallen flat a lot of times. Bloody nose, you know, dirty knees, torn clothes. Which really translates into being embarrassed, but that's good for the soul. Which is interesting. I mean, it's not going to be our topic today. However, 
I definitely think that it's worthy of a discussion in mm-hmm. its own right, the resistance against failure in our modern world and how we try and sugarcoat and protect people mm-hmm. and cushion them. God forbid, suddenly right. shouldn't be considered to be a failure because who knows how they'll be traumatized for the rest of their life and well, be I think that broken. Part, <laughs> that is part of the bigger picture of what we're talking about, where mm-hmm. people aren't robust anymore. Right. You know, if I can, if I can say something, cancer is a disease um, that's connected to the crab, uh, the sign of cancer, which has an exoskeleton, the skeletons on the outside. And that's what I feel that we're like at the moment. We, we lost our bones. Hmm. You know, the word bones in Hebrews, atzamot, it's connected to the word etzim, your essence. When people are connected to their essence, they live a much more robust life and they're healthy. So people who have fallen, as the Talmud says, Shavu Yipol Tzadik Vakam, the righteous one falls and stands seven times. I mean, if that's for a person who's way ahead of the game, then I right. am. How much for me? Right. As I say, we could we could talk on that. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it will segue into what mm-hmm. we're going to speak about today. But it is something that we could spend a lot of time on. And for those people who are familiar with the teachings of the Book of Tanya, which is the seminal work of all Chabad teaching, it's a very strong theme in the first section mm-hmm. of Tanya that uh, you're not as whole as you think you are, but that's okay. You know, you can you can work with that. That's quite something. Mike uh, sent us a WhatsApp over here. Mike is just back from the Yom HaShoah function and says that he, one second, after having, I don't know if this is supposed to be the word now or no. I don't know if it's a misspelling or not. But anyhow, it says there is no rationalization to anti-Semitism. And is that the world will always find the Jews as the quote-unquote scapegoat. Okay, so Mike, hold that thought. We haven't actually started that part of the conversation yet, but it is an interesting point. And Mike mm. is a regular contributor to our show. So let's let's hold that thought. We, we're going to open that conversation shortly, and we'll start to talk about, I think, what's on all of our minds, like it or not. Everybody feels just a little bit less secure right now being Jewish in this great, beautiful, modern world of ours. Seeing what's been happening all over the place. So yes, we are going to talk about that. Just, um, giving you a little bit of background over here. Who's behind the mic on the other side of the table? I've got Shimona Tsukernik with us in studio. Shimona is originally from South Africa. We n- have known each other for quite a number of years. Decades. <laughs> by now. Correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. <laughs> and, uh, Shimona is very popular all over the world. In terms of the things that she teaches and the methodologies that are available. What's your website? You haven't told us Shimona.org. that. Shimona.org. Shimona.org. And S-H-I-M-O-N-A. I don't know. Yeah, I, was say, I don't know if anybody knows how to spell it. So S-H-I-M-O-N-A.org. And there's a whole lot of content over there. You said some of it is free. I understand yeah. some of it you pay for. There's courses that you enroll in and uh, really hard work and life changing kind of stuff. And I suppose that's what we need to be confronting right now is uh, again, everybody wants, you mentioned before, quick fix. Mm. And everybody wants a quick fix what's going on in the world. Let's just uh, secure our shoes or let's fight back or whatever the mm. case is. But if you really think about it, there's something a little bit more concerning going on over here. And that is where is this world of ours headed? So can we go well, down I that just, wormhole? I, I, do, and, I do just want to say something and create a holding space for the emotional response to what's happened. I, I think to, today I get kind of confused between here and the States. Maybe it was yesterday in the States. There was another shooting at the university in North Carolina. Right. It just seems to be endemic. And I have, I have had a number of clients reach out to me just with a general sense of dis-ease and uh, anxiety and clearly uh, – Things are not as they should be. Um, 
I actually at the I listened to a lecture that Rabbi Yossi Jacobson gave, and he shared a story about the color of a Rebbe that I think is very um, touching. My husband had actually mentioned to me earlier this week on the last day of Passover, the color of a Rebbe passed away. Rabbi Taub, he was castrated by Mengele in the camps. I mean, today is Yom HaShoah, and um, so that's why he didn't have a beard. Uh, anyway, Rabbi Jacobson mentioned that every time the Kalava Rabbi began a, a talk, he began by singing Shema Yisrael. And when asked to explain why he did that, he 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 said that just before the camp was liberated, he was going to be thrown into the ovens. And he said to God, if you will save me, you know, my brother and his family, my sister, her family, my parents, they're all gone. He began to cry. And he said, if you will save me, I promise you I will teach the living to say Shema Yisrael which is such a profound story. And to think that that happened 75 years ago and then what happened in Pittsburgh six months to the day mm -hmm. and in Poway is, uh, really gets us thinking. It really does get us thinking. What are your thoughts? We've got a great opportunity here today talking about something which I think touches us all and in a very profound way. So please send in your questions, your comments, your insights. I'd love to hear what it is that you have to say on 0618951019 or SMS 34519. You can call if you'd like to speak to Shimona on 0101403020. That's 0101403020. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So if you have just tuned in, I have Shimona Tsukonik with me in studio today. Shimona is a coach. Shimona is a spiritual teacher, a very popular lecturer. And today we're talking about something that's really, really, I don't know, I feel that it's really touched. I was speaking to somebody just the other day, somebody who was a, mem a member of our security team at our shul. Mm -hmm. He said, for whatever reason it is, this particular shooting has really unnerved yep. this particular yep. person. And I think that that is uh, something that... You know, Universal, really plays out universally. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're talking about today. And, and, and we're trying to plumb the depths of where this all comes from, what's really going on. Well, I, you know, Ari, if I could say something. we I just mentioned the story about the color of a rebbe and pointed out the uh, the fact that whoever dreamed, you know, it's 75 years, is it today, uh, Holocaust Memorial Day, that after the horrors of the Holocaust, this would happen in America, the land of the brave and the free. And, you know, I, I am so grateful to have been born in Africa. And I will also say that I, I feel deep gratitude to live in America. It's a country of very innovative, uh, explorative people and one that is based on freedom of religion. I mean, the people who went there went there in search of freedom to express their religious beliefs. And that that happened. I think that, you know, in, of course, in numbers, what happened in Pittsburgh, it was even more horrific. But it seems to be that there's this cumulative effect. And I don't know who was it, Mark, the first person who? Michael. Michael yeah. uh, said, you know, it, there, there just seems to be no rational basis for anti-Semitism. And that is something that the Zohar addresses, that the mystics and elsewhere in our writings, that it is a chok, a decree that Esav hates Yaakov, that the nations of the world uh, dislike us. Um, I want to say something about that, but uh, also say that I think that there's something happening sociologically or sociopolitically that is driving this as well. So there's the place where it is a decree, and then there is something that's happening 
with the people. And when you look at what is it that bothers people about Jews, I, I think it's that we remind them that there's a God. You know, Haman, he was really, I mean, if you look at Ahmadinejad and, and, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, all the, from Nebuchadnezzar all the way down to Khomeini and other leaders, uh, what bothers them about the Jew? Haman walked out of the king's palace. He really was second in command. Anyone who saw him fell flat on the ground. They prostrated themselves. And there was one old Jew, an old man. He probably had a little bit of a hunchback, Mordechai HaYehudi, Mordechai the Jew, and Mordechai He didn't bow down. He didn't prostrate himself. And that actually made Haman lose his mind, lose his marbles. What was it? Like one old Jew? Because that Jew's faith says to Haman, you are not it. You know, you are not God. I know who God is, and I am beholden to him, and my being, my very being, speaks of a creator who is personally involved in the world and in individuals' lives and wants something very different for humanity than what you have planned, which is your own megalomaniac sociopathic ideals. He was a Hitler, he was a Mao Zedong, etc. So, Isn't it ironic because so often we frame ourselves under the banner of Or Lagoyim, a light mm-hmm. unto the nations. And if you think about it, uh, you know, not to, to so-called brag, but the reality is that we've introduced very important concepts around morals and around values to the world. You would expect an appreciation of people to say, wow, you know, you've educated us. You've, you've improved our societies. Some mm. of the core right. values of the democratic world mm-hmm. are rooted in Jewish thinking. Right. You would expect that there would be this respect and acceptance. And it's, it's very interesting that what you identify is almost the opposite. Okay. Although I think we have to, we have to temper that just a little bit to say it's not as if the whole world is anti-Semitic. Correct. Correct. I think so too. Yeah. Look, I remember when, uh, Janine, do you remember there's that, um, um, camp? There was a lot of, uh, Arab uprisings and my husband was a paratrooper in the Israeli army. He said friends of his were telling him that, um, Arabs had, um, killed camels because the smell of rotting camel flesh is similar to human flesh and then took the media around saying, you know, Janine is our Holocaust. This is our Auschwitz kind of thing. And Kofi Annan at the time was uh, uh, the head of the UN. And he, he said, Israel, the whole world says that you are wrong. And, and you say you are right. Is that possible? And I sent him a, I sent him a letter. I mean, I periodically send letters to the president of the United States or the head of the UN. And I don't know if anyone gets them, but I still feel that there's merit to that. And I said to him, you know, Mr. Annan, I, I am a great, great grandchild of, of Abraham and he was called a Hebrew. The word Hebrew comes from the word every, which is from the word uh, over on the other side He was from the other side And he was on one side of morality Which is all human life is in God's image And all human life is sacred And and the rest of the world told him No, that is not the case You are wrong And you know what If it weren't for my Zayda Sanctity of life Wouldn't have made it to the front page of the New York Times mm-hmm. um, So I, I do think that there are people who are opposed to it counterintuitively, and then there's a huge swath of people who have taken on what's now called Judeo-Christian values and appreciate our contribution. There's an interesting book by a guy, I think his name is Spiro, 
I can't remember, um, but it's called World Perfect Judaism's mm. Contribution to. Yeah, by Ken Spiro. Right, Ken Spiro. Really great book. And he shows what Jews have contributed to civilization. You know, that's, if I can just say, that's what the Talmud means when, when they say, if the nations of the world knew what the temple gave, not only would they not have destroyed it, they would have sent armies to protect it. You know, what do Jews, what do we have to offer? I'm not saying that we don't have our faults. Uh, we certainly do, but to be a light unto the nations. And I think that when we pretend that that's not the case, people are suspicious. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. I definitely think that people are. And it's as if, you know, don't, don't try and patronize me mm-hmm. with this uh, version of, no, we're just like you. Don't uh, pull we, the wool over my correct. eyes. Correct. We know, know exactly what you think. <laughs> correct. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so what is interesting then about it is that, that that does seem to play a little bit into what Mike was saying, that it's not rational then. Right. So what I was saying is that I think that there's that aspect where there's something that is not rational and we have to pray and work towards in our actions with good deeds and unconditional um, acts. You know, like we hate people for free, so Avas Khinam is loving them for free. I guess that 60s notion. The 60s were really like a wonderful era in so many respects, like real activism and revolution. And and that's a Jewish concept. So you don't think that people today would claim that we live in a world of free love where there's this tolerance and acceptance? I mean, isn't that ironic that here we live in this world Mm -hmm. that everyone is tolerated in whichever particular form they choose? Correct. That they choose to present themselves, and yet we're finding this level of breakdown and right. of hatred. Right. So that's what I, that's what I think is this, you know, there's something that l- underlies even that. So there is this unconditional, irrational kind of, uh, a fear or resentment of the Jew that will be resolved when Mashiach comes. But there's something else. You, what you're referencing, I guess we call intersectionality. And the more, uh, uh, what I find, you see, I think that the reason for anti-Semitism today is because, as the Talmud says, it's not the mouse that's to blame, but the hole. Don't blame the mouse. There's a hole in our hearts. There's a hole in humanity's heart. And I see youth in America uh, where God has been taken out. The Rebbe pushed really hard for a moment of silence, not to say, well, you know, which God do you pray to when there's a whole group of people together? Just be quiet and think about it. And there are astonishing talks where the, where the Rebbe says, look, you, a teacher's going to tell the kids, I want you tomorrow, you're going to have to think about something for one minute. And then the child will go home to her mother or his mom and the Rebbe says the mother, interesting, young children generally go to their mother and um, ask the mother, what shall I think about? Then the mother's going to have to think about what's a worthwhile message that I'll give my child to think about. And there's this huge hole that has been created. It's like in our soul and all the light is leaking out. But the challenge is this. When you take God out and people say, well, religion started because of God, that's one way of looking at things, but it's totally naive because when you don't believe in God, it's not that you believe in nothing. You now believe in anything. And believing in anything is super dangerous because, you know, Mao's China and communist Russia and fascist social, socialist Marxist Germany, they didn't, they didn't have that belief. And then something has to fill the vacuum. So I think there's a hole in our heart and 
people are filling it with beliefs that are very powerful and very dangerous. So it's interesting because that identifies that there's something very subtle and not so subtle all at the same time in the distinction between real tolerance and this kind of boundless openness, which uh, one could be very healthy and good for society, and the other could be absolutely destructive to society. If you've just joined us, by the way, I have uh, Shimona Tsekernik in the studio today. We're talking in context of the shooting that happened at the shul in Chabad Poway in San Diego just under a week ago. It's really rattled us all, so we try to understand how do we get to such a place that's led us to a conversation around anti-Semitism, but more specifically, this is greater. I think I think this is the point that you're making. This is greater than anti-Semitism. This is something mm-hmm. that the modern world in all its great achievements. I mean, I, just just to throw something out for a second, which I will in a second. But the, with all its great achievements in terms of what we've done for people and human rights and it, technical, technological innovation and health and all the wonderful things that we've done. Somehow we've missed when I say we society seems to have missed something that is really Fundamental to it all And that is Well what's the purpose What's Mm -hmm. the purpose in it all And what what comes to mind is Here we had this past weekend For us as the Jewish world This past weekend Was a tragic weekend Because Mm -hmm. it wasn't only An attack on a particular shul Right Where thank God Things did not go as far As they could have But still It was absolutely tragic I think for us It's a, it's it's yet another symptom Of what's going on In our world I think it's not only An attack on that synagogue And it's not only An attack on Jews Right. But it is a very significant event for all people. Absolutely. And so I see that on the one side. And that same weekend, that same weekend, the f- headline news story in the world the was, about, was about the Avengers movie hitting a <laughs> billion dollars in the first weekend. Now, wow. now I mean, I, I think, look, I, I haven't followed the Avengers and I don't know what's exciting about the movie. And I think it's great that some people have... What made a, a, a fortune But for heaven's sake What does that add to our world and, and this is celebrated to the extent that Who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people Went out to watch this thing Maybe millions of people mm-hmm. I don't know what ticket prices I have no were, idea right? what, But to hit a billion is, dollars turnover mm-hmm. At the box office on the first weekend And that's what society values and, and people are getting shut up in their universities And homes and mosques and churches And sh- like hello right. <laughs> What's going on over here Mervyn by WhatsApp says because the Jews are only a small percentage of world population, the rest of the world seems to think we can be bullied. Usually, the smallest boy in school is nearly always bullied. So, Mervyn, it's a very interesting point because num- I, I, I don't disagree, but I think where Shimona was going with this is that this is not about anti-Semitism, actually. It's about a much more endemic issue in our whole world, which I suppose is what bullying is, the, the bully Always bullies because of a hole in their soul, mm-hmm. right? Right. So the bully is, in a certain sense, the one we need to have Rahmanas on. You know, there's a very powerful statement in the Talmud that it says, there are some people who are so far gone that you can't even have compassion for them. You can't even, that's it. They, they don't deserve any compassion. They're so far gone. And I think it was the fifth Lubavitcher who said, can you imagine how much compassion you need to have for that person who you can't <laughs> have any compassion for? Love it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Look, I, I, I do think that it's a much more endemic problem. And you mentioned the Avengers. I, I, I'm out of that particular loop. I'm more in a political or, <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of, uh, 
exploration because it interests me in terms of what's happening to us spiritually and psychologically. Um, but that kind of money, you know, I grew up in apartheid South Africa. I used to teach at Funda University in Soweto, and I remember driving in, uh, you know, with the p- police on the sides, and there was necklacing at the time. Uh, and and we would know about uh, protests that happened, and then the the Star and other newspapers were forbidden from printing that. But what they did in protest was. Rather than put the picture, just put a blank space and then the caption underneath it. And then even that became illegal. And having grown up with that kind of um, propaganda, really, I mean, I don't think that the the South African apartheid government was going to allow television into this country. And they they held it for as long as they could because they knew that when there's information, then there's going to be some freedom. But I'm highly suspect of the media and living in the States – I see it too. It's driven, there's, you know, huge amounts of money. I mean, look at, so people laugh at the fact that there, there were gods and people worshipped, uh, statues, etc. but you worship, you worship the Oscar, you know, that little statue is worshipped. And if you've won one of those little statues, then you have special treatment, like Jossie Smollett in, in America. You know, these are like, I, I, I think to myself, the last portion of the Torah speaks about Moses says to the people of Israel, you're all gathered here today. Uh, it's his, before his passing. And he says, from your heads and the princes of the leaders of the tribes, all the way down to the woodchoppers and the water carriers, that's unity. You know, that's, that is not saying there's flyover country to quote Hillary Clinton and all the deplorables. I mean, I came to America and she was my heroine and, and then I just thought like, wow, how do you dismiss so many people because they are not what? Because they're blue collar workers, not white collar workers, etc. Um, if I could just say something. Apropos what we referenced earlier about unity and intersectionality. And this is part of my, you know, I was making observations and seeing what, what are the constant obstacles that my clients are coming up with? What, what are the common themes? Like in 12 step programming, uh, there's, there's a idea that the stories may be different, but the current in that river is the same. I mean, we all have our different streams, but the currents are the same. And um, one of the things that I was noticing, two things, you, there was an idea that I can't be a victim, which almost meant that there's no aggressor, because there's an idea of moral relativism. With moral relativism, everything is just based on your perspective. So you can't say that something is wrong. I had a couple come and see me. There'd been infidelity in the marriage, and one partner could not say that the other one was wrong in having had an affair because it was almost, you know, don't be judgmental. Well, I love judgmentality. If you're not judgmental, I don't mean superiority and looking down at someone, but if you don't see yourself as being as being beholden to a particular standard, well, then there's anarchy. You know, as it says in Ethics of Our Fathers, pray for the welfare of the government, because if not for it, people people would swallow each other alive. And maybe when we can, you know, I don't know if you have to take a break, but this idea of how to create unity given the differences between us. I think that's a really important point, because what you've identified is that there's clearly some real chasm in terms of our society and its value set and 
And all the things that we pay lip service to in terms of we're such an accepting, Mm -hmm. tolerant society. We just shoot each other up. But other than that, (laughs) we're pretty much fine, which incidentally manifests in the States in one way and manifests here in this country in a different way. You know, we talk about the the fact that we're a rainbow nation and all that. Mm. But but look, I mean, it's an election month and you can see there's a a lot of tension, you know, in in the streets and and between factions and, Mm. and so on and so forth. So it's easy to pay lip service to these things. That's a great question. How do you actually create a sense of unity? I love Mm -hmm. that reference from the Everybody from top to bottom But the guy's still a woodchopper right. And this person is exactly. still a water carrier And another one's still a prince Another one, and, and that doesn't, we, we've created this, I think, this artificial sense of, no, no, everybody's, you can't. What I call it you know, is, people are pushing for uniformity. Right. Thinking that they're creating unity. That's right. And there is a way around that. Right. But and, and, you and first have to call out the misnomer. And possibly around that, there's this almost this pressure cooker of resentment in certain people that say, well, I'm not like those people. I don't want to be like those people. And there spills out the hatred. If you've just joined us, it is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishla guest in studio today is Shimona Tsukernik, originally South African, now living in New York, changing the world through <laughs> spiritual principles and writing pre- letters to presidents. <laughs> and we're talking today about uh, what's wrong. What's wrong with our world that people can walk into a place of worship and shoot it up? And, and this is, or a place of education for that matter. Look at how many school and university shootings you have in the United States. It is absolutely mm-hmm. frightening. Again, it's not like that kind of thing doesn't happen over here, maybe not as frequently. Uh, so what's wrong? What is wrong with people? We'd love to hear your thoughts on 34519. That's the SMS line. to 0618951019. If you'd like to pick up the phone, it's 0101403020. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here's a WhatsApp. Is it not possible that the more we have become free to join any group we want, in brackets, gay, lesbian, right, left, etc., the more intolerant we have become for each other, the dogma creates hate? It's an interesting observation. What would you say? Um, Look, I think that dogma and ideologues, an ideologue is someone who has one solution for all problems. And dogma is coming out of that. It's like monolithic solutions. Um, I I think that the reason that hatred has come from the apparent freedom is because it wasn't freedom that is real freedom. And right now we're in the time of Surat Omer, the counting of the Omer. There's one opinion that the first days of the holiday are Passover, in its totality and the lo- the end days of the po- holidays, Shavuot, the giving of the Torah, and then everything in between is like Cholamoed, right? It's Cholamoed for, for this particular holiday. And the reason that those are linked is because we left Egypt, we left slavery, and what were we to do with that? You know, we, we now no longer slaves to Pharaoh, and immediately we become slaves to God. That contextualizes freedom, and I think that that's what this writer, the person who sent that message, is touching upon. You can't just you think about freedom from. There has to be freedom to, and our freedom to is predicated upon a different kind of enslavement. Where we read in davening, there's no one who's free other than one who's occupied in toiling in understanding Torah. Why is that the case? And I think it's the, the answer to 
to all those things we've been speaking about is that <coughs> when you subjugate or surrender, so subordinate yourself to a higher power, to God, well, that's the only way that we can all be contained and held together, which we can speak about. But, you know, just to follow a little bit further on this idea, people can identify in many different ways and I guess that the intersectionality breaks down I'm a I'm a woman and then I'm a Jew I'm a mother I'm a wife and then you know so many other things I would say I'm heterosexual and um, many different things that I could identify by then where am I going to land how, where, where do I actually land? And what I find people doing is landing in different places based on whom they're speaking to. There's something in the States now, it's called uptalk. I mean, it's around the world where people end their statements as a, as a question. And I don't hire anyone who uptalks. I mean, I've said to people, if you cannot own what you're saying, I'm sorry. Like, you, you can't work here. Like, tell me you hate it. Tell me you disagree. Whatever it is, but just like own that. Don't say, they say basically so, so basically <coughs> like whatever. And it ends as a question mark, which means to say, if you don't like what I said, I didn't really say it. And how are we to create a holding space for each other, I think, is only when we have God. And that means I left Egypt and the very next thing, uh, you know, like God says to Moses with the crossing of the sea, Dabril Benesra, where you saw speak to the Jewish people, tell them to keep going because they have a vision. There's a reason that they came out. That's the only thing that allows for unity. You know, it's interesting. Whenever people quote biblical source for the liberation movements of the world, mm. it's always "Let my people go," <laughs> which is fascinating because it's an incomplete guess. sentence. Right. <laughs> the sentence says, "Let my people go, so they shall serve me." Right. And and if you don't have that direction, if you don't have that sense of purpose, uh, absolutely, it's like the so organization Bilu. Yes. Bilu was a you know a secular Jewish organization based on the verse base Yaakov Elcha, the, the house of Jacob, let's go and you know keep going. But what's the end? But or Hashem in the light of God. So I think that people have really good intentions. But you know, one of the students of the Magid, I forget which it was, he said a small hand conceals the whole world. So we put our hand in front of our <coughs> eyes when we say Shema because we want to push away the world and think deeply into the creator of the world. But there's another kind of, you know, just blocking, blinding myself. And I think that people have been blinded to the truth. And what I have seen is that people try really hard to find solutions. We're very innovative. The light of God that is within us keeps bubbling up. But we don't have the right map. And I think that our work in today's Holocaust Memorial Day, I think that our work is to <clears throat> discover that map for ourselves and to share it with others. You know, this morning someone sent me a link. <clears throat> it was to light a candle for a Holocaust victim. Mm. And I lit it was for a woman, Leah uh, Zeif. She was 23. She died at the age of 23. And, you know, I did mitzvahs today in her honor. But one of the things I said at the, when I posted on the little uh, website, I said, I'll have my lecture tonight in your honor. Uh, but I also think that we shouldn't only look backwards. You mm -hmm. know, the Holocaust in some respect belongs, uh, 
is in the hands of less affiliated Jews, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The future in Mashiach is in the hands of the more affiliated Jews. So we light candles looking back, uh, all the way back to the Garden of Eden and fi- fixing up what happened there with Chava, with Eve. But then we're also told if you light the lights of Shabbat, I'll show you the lights of Zion that we have to think about. What's the next step for all of us? And I think, A, what we've said is that knowing what's wrong, your dear Samachla recognizing the illness is part of the healing. That's that God has been stripped out. There's a hole in our heart. B, that the only way to create peace is with the light of Hashem. God is the only one that can contain everyone in all of their plurality, the princes and the woodchoppers. All the deplorables on the Hollywood elite, you know, all of us, we get to be in his light and his love. And then the third thing is, well, now what do I do? What are the next steps? And I think the best thing is to start bottom up. It's it's very important that you say that because, uh, you you know, you use the, the example of the candle. So you have the candles very much today as Yamasha are. There's a lot around candles and Yorzeit candles and so on and so forth. And you think about how much candles play a role in Judaism. And almost never mm. does the candle play a role as memorial. It's like once mm. a year on a Yorzeit. You right. But every single week it plays right. the role as the illumination of the home and this message of hope. Mm-hmm. And we tend, I think we tend to do that. Every time there's a tragedy, we go to that vigil space, which is not a Jewish space. Mm-hmm. The candlelit vigils for victims is not a Jewish thing, right. but it's kind of crept into I our collective that thinking. I was surprised that there was a vigil Absolutely. at Pukawa. It was quite interesting Interesting, to me. Mm-hmm. but then probably unavoidable in, in, the, mm-hmm. context in the context. Of a, and you know, I think that, that there was an enormous amount of love from other that's right, exactly. religions and support. Exactly. I'm not saying that as a way of not supporting it's, it's the just vigil. So, it's just so interesting. It's like that empty seat at the Seder table that the mm-hmm. Rebbe was so vehemently opposed to. Yes, you commemorate those who were lost, but commemorate it by filling that seat with somebody for the future. And I think that's really important for us to bear in mind. So as we uh, near the last segment of the show, you can still have your say, 34519, if you'd like to SMS in, or WhatsApp 0618951019, talking today about tragedy, about uh, hatred, about our fractured world and what we should be doing about it. And these are important things to be thinking about. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. So it's been a really interesting period of uh, conversation over here because this is a big topic and I think that you've opened up a whole lot of channels that hopefully people are now thinking about because I imagine that they are things people haven't necessarily thought about. And it's so important both in the context of Yom HaShoah and in the context of the recent attack in San Diego. It's so important not to get caught up in the negative and the tragedy of it but much more in terms of so what should we do how do we identify you've made a very strong point there's a hole in the collective soul of society people have lost their way tried to replace it's interesting but try try taken god and tried to replace god with some man-made version which is our wonderful great world that we've created it's good old uh, terach you know <laughs> version 3.0 or whatever it is <laughs> Uh, somebody's just SMSed in, loved listening. Shimona, are you giving any talks in Joburg? Well, Shimona was here for the Pesach retreat out at Hunter's Rest. I think you gave a bunch of talks that, there. That was as a result of your um, okay, well, input, that's Rabbi <laughs> and Thank you very much. For and that. this evening, Shimona is speaking at the Chabad of Santon Central, the Goodness and Kindness Center. 
and that's on Stella Road in Santon, and that's at 7 p.m. And the topic is... The topic is, is faith under fire, how to respond to adversity and the power of thought so to direct our lives. So there you go. Everything that you heard today that you wanted to hear more about... Yeah, it's going to be different. This evening would be... well. Yeah, Take it and develop it and, 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 and fresh yeah. and, and tell your friends that they should go and listen. When are you here until? I'm leaving on Sunday and Sunday. Um, I did create a coupon for the listeners of the show. If you're, if you're interested, you can go to shimona.org and, uh, the coupon code is fresh because of uh, Rabbi Ari's <laughs> fresh thinking, uh, fresh and it'll give you 50% off anything site wide, uh, for two weeks. Okay, so understand what that is. Uh, everything that you enjoyed listening to over here today, you can access online anytime from the comfort, comfort of your home, including, by the way, some really hectic exercises that you could do to <laughs> really work on yourself. So that's shimona.org. And for the next two weeks, you can use Fresh as the coupon code to get a 50% discount on all of the things that are available on the site. So that's a great opportunity. Strongly recommend that you do it. So let's end with a bit of an action item, I mm-hmm. think, because that's mm-hmm. probably one of the most cathartic things in the face of some right. overwhelming tragic experience. So what can you do? Because people tend well, I, to I feel powerless. Say, right. Um, I would say, that, you know, King Solomon says, which literally means light is better or greater than darkness. But the way it's understood is that the light that emerges from darkness is greater than that which was there a priori. And I think that we have to be the lamplighters. We, Ner Hashem Nishmat God's candle is a person's soul and that it is incumbent upon us to do something. You know, let's not just bemoan it. Let's not just look backwards. And uh, I think you just uh, mentioned the, the, there's a hashtag, Share Shabbat. Uh, if you've never spent a Shabbat, contact someone, contact your local rabbi or the shul, and uh, at least join for Friday night or or light Shabbat candles. It, if that's truly life-affirming. It's kind of, as I said before, uh, if you like, God says, if you light the Shabbat candles, I'll show you the lights of Zion. That's, that's really what we all want. You know, the word Mashiach is the same numerical value as Dagabalev is a worry in a person's heart. And so my recommendation is there's a worry in your heart, there's a worry in my heart, in all of our hearts, and much of it is the existential anxiety. Where is Mashiach? When is that going to happen? Uh, go out and do something to make it happen. Light Shabbat candles, wrap to fill in. There's an app called Wrap. Wrap it. Uh, wrap it. Is that what it's called? I think called? it's called Wrap it. Yeah. I have it on the phone. Um, I can check okay, it. Okay, so... <laughs> Rabbi Shishlin will check that for you, but put on to fill in. I'm, I'm, you know, really moved, Rabbi, Rabbi Goldstein. I don't know if he can put on to fill in now. Does he put it on the other hand? Um, he did mention he in one of his videos that finger. he's currently unable to put on to fill in because both fingers, uh, the, this on is Rabbi Goldstein hands. from, from Poway. He lost his right index finger. His left one is severely damaged and they're hoping that they can save it. And um, currently he cannot put on tefillin. So his appeal was, could people please put on tefillin right. in lieu? He can put on the head tefillin. That's about all he can do right now. Right. That uh, You were correct. That, so that, ra- on, that app is called Wrap, W-R-A-P-P, as in app, the Wrap mm-hmm. app. If you would like to put on tefillin, you use that app, download it, and somebody will come to you actually to help you to put on tefillin, which is amazing. Or light Shabbat candles. Or light Shabbat candles. Extra charity. Five nineteen p.m. That's the time for lighting Shabbos candles tomorrow, and 
that's exactly the message. I think it's important for us to acknowledge that we have the answers. We've always had the answers. It's been part and parcel of Judaism for the last mm-hmm. three millennia. And we do. We really do have the answers. Uh, the world has tried all kinds of permutations of modernity, and each one has left them with people butchering each other. Mm. So it's quite important for us to go back and dig Pull into. The hole in our heart. It's a dig into the good old-fashioned thing called eternity. <laughs> and if we have higher value and higher uh, potential and ha- higher focus, will really make the world a better place. I want to thank you, Shabona, for coming you, into Rebecca studio Shabona. and sharing oh, with wonderful. us. I think it's been fascinating, on point. And something different to what most people are carrying in their heads and hearts right now, which is very, very useful. Thank you have a lot you. of success in everything that you do. And please, God, we should bring light to the world and experience the coming of Mashiach much sooner than any of us imagines is possible. Amen. Amen. To everybody, thank you for listening and participating and have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll catch you on the airwaves. Please, God, this time next week.